Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of The Host Show. I am your host, Jasper Rivers, and we release a new episode of this show every single Monday. And in these episodes, I interview Airbnb hosts from all around the world to share their stories and provide tips and tricks on how to get started and be successful as an Airbnb host. Now, this episode is brought to you by Legends X, our 90-day short-term rental accelerator program that's designed to help you skill your hosting business by getting yourself out of the daily operations. So that frees up your time so you can become the CEO of your business instead of the manager and really focus on those higher level tasks that move the needle and allow you to grow. So for more information about Legends X and how to join, visit strlegends.com X. Now let's dive into today's episode. Enjoy the show. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Welcome to another episode of Get Paid for Your Pet. Today we are talking about pricing. And I got an expert here on the call with me. His name is Jeff Price, and he is the head of revenue management at Beyond, formerly known as Beyond Pricing. So we're gonna we're gonna dive in how we can set the best pricing strategies for our listings. So Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here and to be talking with everyone. Let's be listening to this. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited too. I'm in uh, in Mexico. So for those who are watching on YouTube, you'll see I have a little bit of a different setup today. I just finished SDR Legends Mastermind live event here in Southern Mexico uh, with Eric and our uh, SDR Legends Mastermind members. So we'll talk more about that in a different podcast episode. But today, let's talk about pricing. I, I actually started using Beyond Pricing in 2014, right after it came out, which is about eight years ago. So pretty familiar with the capabilities. What's behind the recent rebranding? when it went from beyond pricing to beyond? Yeah, I think, you know, beyond pricing originally started as a property management company called Beyond Stays. So there has been some evolution. And they found that they much enjoyed setting prices and, you know, helping people get locked out. You know, they're locked out delivering keys at 2 a.m. and pivoted there. And then over time, we focused so much on pricing, but really we care about revenue management. And dynamic pricing is a massive part of that, but it's not the only piece. So things like, you know, channel management, direct bookings, analytics, all those things that go into it, what we started to grow into. So we still have that pricing, but it's now kind of a subcomponent of all the other products we offer. Got it. Okay. Well, uh, on this podcast, we're, we're really going to dive into the, the pricing aspect. Tell us a little bit and about your background. Yeah, that, that's my forte now. So I, I come, you know, before I came into you know, vacation rentals and short-term stays and all that, I came from economic forecasting. So large, complex models and data sets and putting out forecasts. What attracted me to you know, vacation rentals in this industry was it's kind of the same thing, just a lot bigger. We have a lot more data on individual listings and running these complex models on localization is just really attractive. So that's what got me interested in it. And that was about, about four or five years ago. So since then, I've just enjoyed it. It's fun to, it's fun to price the world. And, mm-hmm. and where I sit, I lead our revenue manager team, which is a bunch of analysts reviewing all of them the market data, the performance, and tweaking everything. Got so we're really kind of, you know, hand-holding the algorithm in the background. We're essentially the pricing team at a, at a pricing company, which is really fun to be right at the core of it. Yeah. So one thing that I noticed 
with a lot of our students and people in our community, I, I think by now everyone's kind of heard of the pricing algorithms and everyone's kind of aware that you know they can increase their revenue using a pricing software. But I think what a lot of people struggle with is they sign up and then there's so many parameters. There's so many things that you can set, so many you know different you know factors involved. What are some of the most important things that people should focus on when they when they start using a pricing algorithm in your opinion? Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot. And we're in that age now when like the revenue management, vacation to space, where there's just so much data that you can see. There's like so many ways to cut and slice your own data, market data, you know, other areas. It's just it's, you can be overwhelmed by all these different metrics. And that's what happens, right? There's kind of that paralysis. Either you get super into it and you spend so much time doing looking at it and not doing other things, or you just kind of don't pay attention to it and, and kind of click a few buttons and pray. And so neither one of those are great options. And really what we focus on is just trying to give you the right data at the right time and seeing what we can automate away. So giving you just a few strong levers that you can adjust, but we don't want to give you, you know, a thousand features because at that point you might as well just mainly set every, every day yourself, right? So that's really what, what we focus on, you know, high level metrics, you know, that I like to look on, especially if you're using a dynamic pricing tool, just don't overcomplicate it. We're there to do most of the work for you set the right base price, set the right min price, you know, day one, day two, let's talk about last minute discounts, you know, some min stays after that, maybe gap fill in a bit, then walk away for a week and come back, you know, mm-hmm. high level yep. oversimplified so much of it. Cause I do love to talk about the details of each one of those factors. Every can if you're interested, but, but definitely don't overcomplicate it. We see a lot of people who want to over tinker and they kind of shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah. Let's go one by one because you mentioned the number a number of factors, right? So first, I think base price is probably one of the most important numbers to to set. How, how do we go about setting our base price? Yeah, it really ends up theoretically being almost the average price for that listing. And really, what you can do when you log into to Beyond or oh, let's just talk about any good dynamic pricing tools. We can we're showing you the price for every single day. And we can also show you all your historic reservations, historic ADRs, historic occupancies, as well as future. In many cases, it's as easy as just lining up some of those numbers. Saying, hey, I can tell that I'm very booked over the next 90 days. Let me set my current, my future pricing a little bit above what I'm currently pricing. Or, hey, I know I'm, I'm pretty empty. You know, I'm in the US this July and August, especially I've been, you know, drinking, bookings have kind of dried up. I need to lower my price. Well, then you can easily see it with lines. And in many cases, it's that simple. And knowing that, hey, it's not a for, you're not saying that forever. It's very easy to tweak. The algorithm is going to adjust for the real-time data. And you can adjust, you know, say simply, you know, clicking one button. You guys still use the health score? Yeah. We use the health score. It's very helpful as like a notification system. What the health score does is it really looks at, say, hey, this listing's occupancy in the next 30, 60, 90 days. It compares it to what that sort of that hyper local neighborhood is doing, the, the nearest 100, 150 listings and how it's comparing. So it's really just saying, hey, am I way behind or am I way ahead of the market? And it's a great red, it's a great flag to say, hey, this listing's doing well, this listing's doing doing is not doing well, and then allowing you to jump into it. I don't want to rely too heavily on it, but it's a great thing to scan because you can look at it super quickly. Mm. Yeah, I guess, you know, I always enjoy using that health score to just give me an idea of like, hey, should I be raising my base price a bit or should I be lowering it a bit? I guess like, let's say that like most listings in in, in a neighborhood, 
let's say is they're not really doing a good job, like optimizing their, their, their revenues. And they're just like, you know, they don't, they just don't have a lot of bookings. Let's say they're booked at like, you know, 20% or something in the, in the next like 30 days. And then if our listing is booked like 40%, then I guess our health score would be pretty high, but you know, maybe, maybe that 40% is still, you know, still on the low end for our own expectations or our own standards. Yeah. And it does match to the, the market, you know, what, what's going on there. It's a good indication. And I can tell you've been, been a user for a while. Cause like we used to rely heavily on the health score, right? Since then we've added a bunch more analytics and numbers that you can look at about that listing. So now, you know, as, as people get more advanced and want more, there are other numbers that you can look at in terms of like Got number it. of min day, days hitting minimum in the future, reservations, last minute discounts, things that are, you know, number of days that are at blocks or booked, all these things that we can add as sort of a, a second evolution of metrics to look at. So the health score is great to point things out, but really it's to grab your attention and say, this listing needs some attention. And then the other numbers are there for you to kind of look at after that. Sure. I think a really important metric that everybody should pay attention to is the minimum night stays and then specifically how you can vary minimum night stays like depending on you know depending on the where it is in the calendar. Can you can you touch a little bit on that? Yeah, minimum, minimum night stays is huge. I mean price is important but in conjunction with it. So what we've been focusing a lot recently or I have just cuz I think it's so important as this market has changed, ebbed and flowed so much over the two years, as prices change, but also minimum night stays. But what I do a lot is we can see, you know, based on the OTAs, we can see the, what's going on in the market. We can see the average. You know, I can say, hey, the average five bedroom in the Outer Banks, so the average two bedroom in Chicago, or three bedroom with a pool in Austin. We can see what that market for the next year, what their minimum stay structure is like. And you know, in the traditional markets, we can see people go up, more people go up to seven midnight stays for the summer and then fall off like when they do. And we pay very particular attention to you know those shoulder seasons, right? July may be fine, but some people want to start longer seasonal minimum night stays in let's say late May before Memorial Day and things like that. And they kind of just miss these shoulder seasons, and you can see like the performance fall, the occupancy just drop. And you can say, great, my price is, is low at that point. I'm very competitive on price. Well, it's because you know, you're asking way too much for your midnight stays. So matching it to the market is a really good start just to see you're not, you're not pushing your seasons too much and getting a bit greedy with these longer bookings because it, it just may not be tolerated in some places. So that's what I found really interesting. The second is for anyone who, who's played with minimum stays and dynamic pricing and PMSs or anywhere, it can get pretty confusing. Right, you have a lot of. I have my global, you know, for men's day. I have my seasonal one. I have my last minute one. I have all these filters and how they overact. It can get it can get confusing. I will say that. So we spend mm-hmm. a lot of time on saying, well, can I identify days that I can't sell? Because that's really going to affect your bottom line, right? People tend to make these rules on gaps on men's days. And then they end up being able to not sell dates. And that's totally fine if you're saying, I can't, my operations can't handle, you know, same day, one day turnaround. That's completely understandable. Or I need to take this off for certain days. But we want to make sure that, you know, everyone wants to make sure that you can sell every day. And that's intentional for these days you can't sell. Yeah. So we focused a bunch on like how to detect these, how to share it with you, making sure you're aware of that help you to change it if not. And then also saying, I can't sell it, but maybe I can reach out to the guests before or after and say, do you want to extend your stay for a large discount? 
and help fill those days, but it's not a changeover. Yeah, I would say my my favorite functionality when it comes to min stays and what's worked really well for us is, you know, we do a minimum of three nights for mm-hmm. any any stays that start with a with a Thursday or a Friday. Right? So what we what we don't like is a Friday to Sunday booking or a first, especially not a Thursday, a Thursday to Saturday booking is something that we really don't like because because then like it breaks up the weekend, right? Mm-hmm. So we'd prefer for people to either book like Thursday through Sunday or Friday through Monday or Saturday through Tuesday. But, you know, like when we're like a week or two out, you know, we, we let go of that, that free night minimum stay. We changed it to two because, it, you know, there's less of a chance that somebody's going to, book the three-day weekends, right? Because there's basically you're cutting off some demand, right? Because Friday to Sunday is a very popular, there's a lot of demand for that, right? Friday to mm-hmm. Sunday, right? And if you're setting if you're setting the minimum night stays at three, then you're cutting out that demand, right? So what we do is like, depending on the unit, like one or two weeks in advance, like we, we release that to two nights and then that demand oftentimes, usually the, the weekend will still get booked. Like the Friday to Sunday will still get booked but by doing it this way, like when people book a bit longer in advance, you know, they can only book like the free day, the free night for the weekend. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. And that's what, you know, this idea of last minute men stays is trying to say, okay, let's reduce the minimum number of, you know, nights stay as we get closer to, to the check-in date so that we can pick up other demand. We don't want these two night stays, but as we get closer, we need it. And that's very powerful. I will also say in conjunction with the idea of last minute discounts of lowering your price. Mm-hmm. And in, in your case, we see a lot of people who will take like, they like to stagger them. We don't want you to change from three to two day at the same exact same day you drop your price 10 or 20%, right? Because you like you may get flooded with that demand. And so we see people like to decrease their midnight stay, then wait a little bit, then decrease their price and almost go back and forth to add that incremental demand. Because yeah, we want the, we want it to be filled. We're willing to negotiate a little on midnight stay in price, but we don't want to, you know, have a fire sale right away. So that's one of my suggestions for anyone listening. Yeah. Anyone listening. Yeah, yeah, and then I think the other powerful functionality with midnight stay, and you mentioned this, is that we also use this uh, is for filling up calendar gaps, right? So no matter when somebody books, no matter it's a weekend or not, if if we have a two day two night gap then obviously we don't want to have a free night minimum stay because then nobody would be able to book that gap, right? So that's important. Yeah, and that's that, the, that, you know, the idea of gap filling, right? Like that's, yeah. this, this can be a very complex subject, just minimum stay alone because you have gap filling rules and you can have different fills and it's a percentage discounts on top of that. It can get very complex. So like having a system that you understand is really important. Yeah. You mentioned minimum price as, as one of the most important factors like I, minimum price is an interesting one because I feel like if you set a base price in in the pricing algorithm, then you know, like, should we not let the price algorithm just decide what the minimum price should be, or should we say like, hey, I don't, I don't want to rent out for less than a certain amount of money just because maybe we don't want to attract a different guest avatar, or maybe it's not worth the hassle for us to you know to have that booking. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I go back and forth and I talk with a lot of people on this minimum price is one of the larger conversations we have when setting up, you know, any size property manager because it's so important to each listing. And 
we go back and forth because what happens is like we we have the base price. So we have, should we just never touch the minimum price? Yes. But in certain seasonal markets, there's just so little demand to get a price to get someone in there won't be a profitable booking. And I don't want you to people to take unprofitable bookings, right? No way you should do all this work and it should cost you money. So I think knowing the cost of like a marginal night stay in your listing is really important. I know how much it costs me to turn this over for the utilities, add all that up. Even a rough calculation is super helpful to know, hey, if I have someone come, it costs me $120 to do this, right? So if I get 120, that's net neutral. Maybe I don't want to do that because of wear and tear and all these things. That's not factored into your market. Yeah. So knowing that and then building off, maybe you want a margin above that for some reason. And that's set, set that as your min. But I would try and base it off some even some rough math because we see a lot of people and say, I want $300 a night. And, and that's great. You can get that in summer, your high season, your shoulder season, but you're going to miss, you know, 30 to 40% of the calendar because no one's going to pay that in your low season. And we see that a lot. And people set it up there and say, this is what it's worth. And saying, yeah, you're right for a lot of the year, but not enough. And picking up on those extra days of occupancy, even at, you know, medium to lower 80 hours is really how you get, get that increased revenue overall. When you look back at the mm-hmm. year, you know, you're probably very dialed in for high season. Maybe you can get a few percentage points of, you know, here and there on it. But like picking up on that shoulder season, that low season revenue, that's where you get those big gains. Yeah. And if you have the high min, you really, you really don't get it. That's why we tend to look a lot at like percent of unbooked nights at minimum price and show that to people historically and saying, hey, we've talked about minimum price, decide not to do anything. But now we can look back and say, hey, you know, 60% of your nights in May were at the minimum price. Like those aren't getting a real chance to be sold because you're kind of cutting off the algorithm and, and really focus on seeing what you can do at a profitable booking to get those books. Yeah. You know, I think another concept that is important to understand as well is the idea that like when you get a booking, there's a direct value that you receive, right? A direct amount of money that you receive. But there's really also an indirect future revenue that is attached to that booking too, right? Because if you get one booking, first of all, that that guest might come back. Right. So the, the, the long, the lifetime value of that customer might be more than just that one booking. And then number two is that person could also introduce your listing to somebody in their network, right? Where they say like, Hey, I said, this is cool. Airbnb, like, you know, check it out if you, if you're ever in town or something like that. And then number three, you get a, you get a review plus you get a signal to Airbnb that somebody's you know that you're getting booked right and in the end of the day like airbnb wants bookings right that's why they they're mm-hmm. smart they're i i don't want to call it smart pricing it's, i think their algorithm their smart pricing engine is not very good so maybe we just call it dumb pricing but <laughs> but you know that's why it always like suggests like really low prices because airbnb like you know they, they they're more focused on the occupancy and like number of bookings so i guess what i'm trying to say is like we should also take into account that if we if we say like okay it costs us a hundred dollars per night to have somebody stay at our place, if we're getting booked at a hundred, then yes we're not making any immediate revenue, but because we're getting the booking we might we might get another booking because the Airbnb search algorithm might push up our listing a little bit because mm-hmm. they're getting a signal of like hey somebody just booked this listing let's let's show it to some other people plus there's a chance that that person might come back. 
you get a review and they can they can talk about your your unit and you know to their family friends etc so what are your, yeah, what are your thoughts on that there's a lot of positive externalities right getting someone in there is better than not getting someone there almost across the board right there can be you know we've, we've heard some horror stories here and there but you know it's normally not the case and yeah i think you definitely do see a lot more activity I know, you know, VRBO and Airbnb and booking, you know, they, they keep their, their search algorithm stuff pretty close to the chest, right? But, you know, we have pe- people swear that say, as soon as I get one reservation on VRBO or Airbnb, I'm, I know I'm going to get a second one, like, within 24 hours, because I'm just going to pop mm-hmm. it in the rankings. So there is a lot to be told by that. They have a best interest in you taking reservations. So, you know, getting those reservations really probably gets up there and gets you more. Again, we don't want those bookings to be unprofitable. They shouldn't cost you money. Mm-hmm. If you're running, you know, a, a good business, you should be able to take reservations, you know, almost all throughout the year and have them be profitable. Not as profitable. We're not always saying that, but we don't want to, to take unprofitable bookings. The good thought experiment is we said people who come set a minute on price and we say that's what it wants. I say, oh, so you're telling me that in your lowest season on a Tuesday, that's a fair price for it. And typically they come back and say, well, no, no one would pay that. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's the point of what we're talking about. Um, so what, what's the point that you think someone would pay and you'd be willing to take? Let's make that your minimum price. Yeah. It also should be noted that the minimum price doesn't affect the base price at all. So having a higher lower min price, it's not going to affect your high season. But we're just talking about these lower periods. And then also we do allow for like seasonal minimum prices. So if you, you want a minimum price, but say just for this period, you know, is super dead you can set that as well to bring it a bit lower or just a bit higher. So there is that functionality. Again, there are all these functions everywhere and features everywhere, but just set a reliable minimum and it's going to solve so much of your problems. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about base price. We talked about minimum night stays. We talked about min price. I guess the last one that's really important as well is last minute, last minute discounts. And I guess in conjunction with that, like maybe also far out booking premiums. Yeah. I, I love this topic. I think it's super interesting. I will start off by saying this is a great feature. It's a great thing to do. It itself is not a revenue management strategy. We we look at some people who they come to us and say, this is what I'm doing by pricing. And it's kind of just this slanted line. And their whole idea is I'm going to charge a super high amount far out and I'm going to have a fire sale at the end. And really that ideal booking window they're just mispricing that by so much that they don't actually, they're not competitive when people are looking for their listing and they have to fire sell it at the end. So I truly believe in, in these far premiums and these less discounts, but like it should be the asterisks at the end of a, like a, a, the right price and not solely just focus on that. So my, my disclaimer there, having said that, yeah, I love it. I think it's really important as we've learned over the past two years that like the booking lead time can change and change quickly. So Last minute discounts, far premiums, I wouldn't, you don't need to look at them every week, but, but monthly, quarterly do check in on them because they should vary. You should have them varied by at least the markets you're in. If you're across different markets, the booking lead time and the bedroom size and the season, if you're really interested in going a step further. That's how I tend to think about mm, that. Interesting. Because the Let's... booking lead time changes so much by an eight bedroom versus a two bedroom. An eight bedroom in you know Oahu versus a one bedroom in Seattle is night and day difference, and that should be really dialed in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess last minute bookings don't happen as much for larger homes versus 
one. I would say it depends on how you call last minute. I would just expand the idea of last minute for, you know, eight bedroom to, you know, Hawaii could be three months Mm. and uh, a one bedroom in Seattle is probably one day, you know, (laughs) you know, it's kind of, it's kind of that, but making sure you're matching up roughly correlating with the booking lead time is how I like to think about it. Yeah. Just, just last thing on this, because uh, I think it's like general advice I look at roughly is like percent of reservations that come in using last minute discounts. I think roughly we're talking anywhere between 10 and, and 25%, depending a bit on the market. We don't, if you're, if you're getting zero, then they're just not strong enough and not working unless you're 100% occupied. Mm. And if you're getting 50%, well, then you're probably starting to discount your actual peak booking window and kind of your discounting reservations that already would have happened. So as a rough guideline, start there. It a little depend a bit by market and by season. But if you're at the extremes, you're either you know doing too little or too much. And yeah. again, it's designed just to discount at the last minute to get someone you know in the bed. It's not the main strategy. Next question is: I'm thinking about like last minute discounts, and I'm thinking about like discounts for gaps, calendar gaps. Does it make sense to like? adjust those parameters or does the algorithm already kind of optimize that in itself? Yeah, we have features. What what comes on with this is it can get pretty subjective. When you talk about these discounting things, you talk about minimum prices, it matters what your what your revenue strategy is. And people have strong opinions on these things. The base price, no, because I'm like, this is what the market will allow it. This is what the price should be. But when you say, hey, you know, I really want to get guests, I'm all occupancy driven. I just want people in there that people discount more. People say, I don't want a discount at all. Like I'm fine with it being empty. It's very different. It's a bit more subjective on your business model. So that's already allowed mostly the features on it. So we can do gap filling, you know, on, on different days, on different lengths, at different percentages, and by day of the week. So you can say, hey, if I have a gap over the weekend, I want it discounted less than if I have it during the weekdays. Yeah. Are there any other important parameters that people should look at? when they use a pricing algorithm? In terms of parameters, I think that covers most of them. Those are the big ones. I would focus on, you know, getting where I'd spend my time would be getting those right. After that, don't add more parameters because it gets so stacked in terms of what's happening. I would go think about how to, hey, how do I measure my performance? I sell these parameters, but like, are they are they working? So that's what I tend to think, go into like the analytics part of the, the platform and go look at, you know, how's my booking pace doing? How's my occupancy doing? How's my ADR? How's my rev pan versus the market versus last year? So like use these features, set them, then spend time actually knowing what's going on and making tweaks. I don't think it's about adding the next feature on top, on top, on top. Mm-hmm. It's about, hey, there's a lot out there already. And there'll be more to come and they'll be exciting and fun and, and helpful. But like, there's a lot out there already and make sure you're using those correctly is really what I'd focus on. Sure. One question that we get a lot is, do the pricing strategies change a lot as you scale your business? So like, let's say like you're at one unit versus being at five versus being at 25 units, assuming you're in one market, right? Is there, are there a lot of differences when it comes to the pricing strategy? Yes and no. Pricing strategy, not really. We focus on the individual listing. That's how it was built out anyway. We don't have, you know, a lot, we don't focus on a lot of like, oh, just this type of listing. I'll just put all my three bedrooms together and price them the same. So like we and I have never, have never want to do that. We already price every house individually based off its own comp sets and its own base price and all these features. So it's focused that way. I think what comes in as you scale 
through the different, you know, one to five, five to 15, 15, 50, and you get, and you get really big. It's just how you go about doing this. Cause it gets much more difficult as you get larger. It's a lot more listings, a lot more owners to manage too. If you're doing sort of that rev share model and, and it gets more to manage. So the, the operations and the revenue management team, whether it's an actual revenue manager or just a person who's, who's taking it on really changes. So for the individual person, you know, you know, that house, that listing, you know, inside and out, probably, you know, the market, you know, you can set base prices pretty well and, and track it. When you start to scale, typically it's the same person trying to do the same thing for 10 houses now. And that's when we see, you know, it really gets difficult. And so knowing the features to set up and then be able to walk away for a week and then come back and spend 30 minutes reviewing prices and walk away to focus on other parts of the business is really important. Um, as people get bigger from that, they tend to get more people involved and then making sure you have someone specifically focused on revenue management. Great. You're you as the owner, maybe, maybe don't want to focus on hundred percent, but get, you know, the person in charge of reservations or marketing, but, but train them up on this so that they can focus on it. Mm-hmm. Um, someone still needs to be focused on it, but doesn't always have to be the owner at these positions. And yeah. then as you go from there, you know, building up a team to focus on it, how you run these meetings, cadences of what data you check and when booking reports, all those things kind of grow as you grow the system. But in the very beginning, it's taking you know your knowledge on it and then trying to... There's a huge demand on your time to scale in that beginning part, right? That's, the, that's a huge issue. And pricing is very important, but it shouldn't be you know taking all of your time to do. Yeah. One thing that I've always thought about is because, we, because we, I see this over and over, people tell me like, hey, I signed up for, for this pricing tool, but I'm like, you know, kind of confused, like how to use it. A lot of hosts are not net, are not necessarily like numbers people. They're ter- mm-hmm. they tend to be people, people, people. Like they love that you know talking to people and, and communicating with other people, but not so much like looking at all these numbers. Do you guys provide like? I, I know you you probably don't, but like, is is this a good idea? Like for a company like Beyond to to offer like revenue management services for where you can pay like a monthly fee and then you guys actually do the the revenue management for the house? Yeah, for some of the the larger clients, we do offer that. It's it's called guidance where we kind of use Beyond pricing for you. At the lower level, I don't think once you know how to use it, it takes that much time for one, two, or three listings. And I think we've spent a lot more time trying to educate people on doing that. I also think people who who get into this, like they actually want to know more, right? It's either where they see their career, their business going, and or it's their largest asset. This is where all their money is in this, right? Like they care about the success of it so much that they're willing to like spend the time that they want to know how to manage it better. So I really think, you know, and they know about the house and they know the market and they're going to be the ones agreeing the host. Like, there's a lot of benefit from that synergy of that one person knowing it and then having all these tools at their disposal. Yeah. So, so yes, I could do it, but like, there's a lot of knowledge that like I'd have to soak in from them, which they already have. And when they're interested in real learning about revenue management, because they're managing their revenue of their asset, then I think there's a lot of people who really just want to learn more. So I, yeah. I, you know, we have a lot of documentation and courses and webinars. I think it'd be a great area to grow into and help educate the whole industry because there's, there's a lot going on. And I think people are hungry for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. What are what are some uh, some common mistakes that you see hosts make when they start using Beyond? Um, we talked about the min price, which is one. I'd also say the second one is base prices. Not necessarily setting it up, 
people can be too optimistic and think, hey, this is the price I want versus the price I can get, which are a bit different. The biggest mistake I see with that is when you know we tell people, okay, go set the base price, monitor the reservations that come in, come back in a week, let's change, let's review, and maybe we'll change the price. And we like to do small incremental movements, right? Because we should be pretty narrowed in to start. And then maybe we have to increase it three or 5% or decrease it three or 5%, depending on the booking pace and occupancy. Great. What frustrates me is when we, we, you know, that happens and we see someone, you know, increase the price 50% or decrease it 35 um, because of they, they went live for one day, didn't get a booking the first day and then decrease it 35%. Like, like jumping around so much, you know, it almost any way is never good. And that, that's what scares me. We definitely have to go back and try and correct them and educate them. Hey, like this is why we priced it this way. Yeah, no booking came in for one day. Let's wait a few more days. Let's see that. Okay, now we can decrease it, you know, 3%. Or what we see what happens is they, they set that, they decrease it 35%. Then they get a bunch of bookings, right? Because they're basically underpricing by so much. They're like, hey, these ADRs are super low. I don't like this. Well, there is some, you know, user issues in there. So I think educating people on, on trusting it more on how to use it, it's super important. But yeah. typically making any large sweeping changes, unless there's a large sweeping event, is never the best thing. And kind of making these methodical scheduled reviews and changes. Make it part yeah. of a process. Look at the same reports, the same numbers, make the decisions off of that, and kind of build this systematic revenue management process, even if it's just you in 15 minutes once a week. But build that thought process out and get the right changes. And then over time, you can say, hey, this process is really working. Or, hey, it's not. I should try something different. But this kind of scramble, chaotic base price changing um, is one of the larger problems. Yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to learn as well when you're constantly changing things. And also, like, the algorithm already changes your prices on a daily basis, right? So, you know, because yeah, I think there's also hosts out there who are like, oh, let me change something. You know, maybe that will help me get a booking. But... The prices are already updated on a daily basis, so Airbnb is already getting those those signals that you're that you're actively managing your listing and that the prices are up to date. Yeah, we're pushing we're pushing prices. You know, every day it's updating based on what what the market's doing. So if we see hey certain events or certain weekends are pacing much faster, we're automatically increasing the prices. If we see that you know this June is pacing behind much behind what last year June was doing, we're going to be lowering that whole seasonality a bit too. Like there's all these factors going on doing that for you, designed to take care and automate all that stuff, which like computers and algorithms are really good at. And then giving you a lever like the base price, like last minute discounts to have some power over it because we still want you to have control. It's like your listing, but focus on just those small, small tweaks with it because the algorithm's doing a lot of work in the background. Awesome, man. Well, we're getting to the end of the podcast. Anything uh, we missed? Anything important to, uh, to mention? No, I could go on for probably hours on this. I tend to sit back with all the numbers. They don't, they don't let me out very often, but it's just fun to talk about this stuff with people. I'll be at a few yeah. conferences too if anyone wants to catch up and chat about, nerd out on some data. Um, yeah, yeah. Can people listening and they, they have some questions, like how can they get in touch with you? That's just Jeff at Beyond Pricing. If you want to send an email. Okay, awesome. Jeff at beyondpricing.com. If people want to try out the service, you have a free trial, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a free trial. Come set up a connect your connect your create an account, connect your listing. It gives you access to all sort of what we call insights, market analytics, listing analytics, all for free. And then I think we do a 30-day free trial. So come see what reservations come in, look at your ADR, track your rev pan across change. Yeah, and, and learn why you're doing it. Awesome. 
Right, Jeff. Well, thanks for jumping on here. It was interesting to chat with you. For the listeners, thank you for listening. And of course, on Friday, Eric and I will, will be back with another episode. So have a great week and see you soon. Okay. Thanks again. Thank you so much for listening to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. We really hope you enjoyed the show. And if you want to learn more about hosting on Airbnb and building a short-term rental business, then go ahead and subscribe to our daily email newsletter at getpaidforyourpad.com. And if you're just starting out on Airbnb, make sure to download our free Airbnb starter guide at getpaidforyourpad.com forward slash get started if you enjoy this podcast make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and please leave us a review on apple podcast for a chance to win lifetime access to the short-term rental profit academy our starter course for anybody who wants to start an airbnb business every month we select one random reviewer and give that person access to the course Um, So if you want to have a chance to win access to the course, uh, please leave us a review and then uh, you might uh, join our program pretty soon. So thank you for listening. Check back every Monday for a new episode of The Host Show and every Friday for an episode of SDR Conversations of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.